welcome to the Headstuff Podcast. Uh, we're doing a slightly different thing today. We're going to be talking all about hip-hop and Kanye, because Kanye is hip-hop, in some opinions. Um, so I'm here with uh, Dave Henrati, um, who's the uh, Headstuff music editor, and he looks worryingly giddy. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, now I can not laugh. Uh, hello, How's hello, alright, I'm okay. Um, and also with Colm O'Regan um, from Hot Press. Uh, he's a uh, w- w- wait. Dave maybe can, might introduce <laughs> us to to who Colm is. Uh, Colm O'Regan is a journalist for Hot Press magazine. I presume. Do you go by journalist? Yeah, I try to go by music journalist. journalist. I try to live by journalist. Music, <laughs> yeah, music journalist or journalist? Journalist, I think it's a bit of a lofty title. <laughs> it is, but you know what they. Send me doing enough non-music things that I think I could back it up. Fair enough. Okay, good answer. Look, he's quick on his feet. Yeah. He's a real good. journalist. Yeah. Uh, Colm has been very, very gracious to join us today to kind of give a bit of hip-hop colour because uh, he's the only person I've ever seen in an office wear a do-rag. And I hope I haven't like upset you there by adding that fact to the listeners. But You've been outed. Uh, to be fair, you know, you pull it off, man. To be fair, it's not the first time that I've been outed either. It's been mentioned on Radio Nova and, and other <laughs> outlets as well. Um... Yeah, Hip Hop Fridays in the office, you tend to get carried away every now and then. I apologise for nothing. It was originally a purchase to add colour to watching American football at home. I feel you just get far more purchase on a high five once you're wearing a do-rag. But um, then, yeah, it started being seconded to Hip Hop Fridays and, uh, yeah, we never look back. <laughs> and that's why he's here. And that's why he's here. Well, that's, <laughs> that's all alone. the qualification we need. Yeah. Uh, we also have uh, Connor Wilkins, our trusty engineer, who will say some things and I think will disagree a lot about uh, maybe <laughs> yeah. we'll see about our friend Kanye so we want to talk about Kanye West because he's um, he's, he's you know there's so much to say um, yeah. and a few other things we want to hit on Compton came out did you see Compton? I yeah. did indeed yeah. yeah I was at the premiere last week actually okay. so. Woo! Yeah. I was at the premiere yeah. <laughs> I, I love yeah it was like you know I was at the premiere but like it was at like you know the cinnamon wrath mind yeah. and they were just like People just wandering into Trainwreck, the theatre next door. <laughs> Dr. And, there as, well. you know, some random RTE personalities try to pose for photos and stuff <laughs> in what is not standard cinema-going gear. Like, people with, like, you know, skinny, ripped jeans and tops almost entirely made out of metal. And it's like, you don't wear that to the cinema, do you? What's, it, what's cinema gear? What's cinema-going gear? Jeans and t-shirt. Basically, just, how you would dress on a normal day, right? Yeah, I guess. But yeah. this wasn't a normal day. It, it, it wasn't. Was it was premiere. a premiere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Straight out of Compton. Who was the Zest of Z-list Irish celebrities that you saw there? Oof. Uh, I don't know if I can start we, no, we dragging can, people. Probably me. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we can just bleep it out. I, I think the podcast has actually been missing some bleeps. So say who it was and I swear... Yeah, I will. I will bleep it. Okay, if you're going to bleep, bleep it, then... <laughs> then <laughs> presents like... <laughs> This is going to be a Turned long Turned up bleep. the most preposterous outfit you've ever seen. Like, trying to look kind of casual or whatever, and making your four friends stand to the side while she alone went for a photo. And, yeah, that that probably caught my eye the most. What was that okay. name again? <laughs> yeah, try and say it as many times as say you can. Say it one more time. <laughs> say, bleep, one more, yeah. say it one more time. Oh, no, you better bleep this. You better bleep this. <laughs> Never going to go into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this, this podcast is taking on a life of its own. Uh, yeah. Should we stick on, on Straight Outta Compton? Let's, no, let's, let's we'll start. We'll come back to Straight Outta Compton. Let's start with, um, with Kanye. Did, did we all watch the speech that he made at the VMAs? Yes, we when? did. Yeah. And yes, we can. Uh, 
Are, are we voting, Kanye? Are we going to get uh, a uh, US get American, Yeah, I'm going to get American uh, citizenship just so I can. The one thing I will say about that speech before we really get into the meat of it is he's, he ran the risk of losing my vote by immediately bending the knee to Taylor Swift. Listeners of a previous podcast will know my feelings on Taylor Swift, which <laughs> I feel were completely vindicated shortly afterwards. By? Her horrible general behaviour. Oh, right. But what has she done since that? <sighs> God. What does she do after that? Yeah. Lads, you know, like... If I you, don't keep up with Taylor Swift, so you have to tell me. It's, okay, I, I don't subscribe to a weird Tumblr or anything. But you follow it's, her on Instagram? Or I don't follow her on Instagram, no. It's more like, you know, I logged into Twitter one morning there and they, everyone was kind of up in arms about her yet again. Because, oh, you know, surprise, surprise, she'd spoken out about things. And I... Oh, do we have to... Do we, do we have to do this? No, but we'll come you, back to it in a little bit. Okay. Let's talk Kanye for now. Yeah, okay. we're, we're getting so sidetracked. Colin, what did you think of the speech? I mean, okay... Rambling doesn't quite cover it. I saw somebody <laughs> suggesting today, actually, that he was meant to perform songs, and that oh. idea was kind of scrapped almost like mid-show, basically, when he decided that he wanted to make a whole speech. Interesting. And we're talking a whole speech, like 12, do you think he had 14 minutes. Do you think he had the, the 13, 14 minutes, or did he just take it? No, the idea was that he was going to have, like, a seven, slot. five, six minutes, and then a song or two songs or something like that, right. and that got scrapped. Okay. Um, I think it showed a little bit. It was definitely... Uh, left of centre but I guess that that is Kanye isn't it I mean like when you and especially with the VMAs which are so sort of pandering to commercialism so kind of giving people what they want the kind of popular vote as it were they gave Kanye this award because he does stuff like this and yeah. because he makes headlines. Wait, so in award? a way, it was perfectly fair. I, I don't even know what award he won. It was the Video Vanguard Award, which is, <laughs> which is basically like... Made up. The award. Yeah, precisely. It's made <laughs> up. It's the equivalent of a Video Lifetime Achievement Award, which, again, was quite made up. Um, although, if I'm not mistaken, this might be the award which Michael Jackson thought was a genuine Lifetime Achievement Award, as it were, and made a speech ah, yes, yes. thereon. But... Uh, yeah, that was the award that he was collecting. And like I say, yeah, I don't know, Kanye did Kanye, basically. Mm, yeah, so I guess they, they got what they were asking for. Uh, at this point, I want to just note that the video Vanguard sounds like a really failed 80s kind of cartoon character. Like, it got like two episodes, <laughs> and then they were like, no, this is too weird. This, this is sucks. Work. Um, yeah, I mean, like, okay, th- everyone's kind of taking the presidential thing very seriously. Is it just me who thinks it was just a I think cool he made that up during the speech. Yeah, yeah. I think he just said he it. definitely did. Because at actually, the start of the speech, he says, I'm not a politician. Bro, or whatever. Lots of bro. He said bro a lot. A lot of bro. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, I think that was like a callback forward slash closer. Whoa. (laughs) That's how I feel. It probably (laughs) lost its effect 13 minutes separated. But yeah, no, I tend to agree that it was something of a facetious comment. Um, I don't think it would ever happen, though. And I'm not the first person to point this out. When you look at like what Donald Trump, for instance, has managed to do in the past few weeks, yeah. you've got to feel that even if it's just to kind of stoke fires or something, someone like Kanye getting involved would actually have a bit of an effect. Like Justin the Turkey going for the Irish presidency. Precisely, yeah. <laughs> although, albeit raising some meaningful conversations, which is yeah. probably something that hip-hop in general is trying to do and struggling to do. Uh, just through music alone. Uh, well, I genuinely think Kanye would be better than Donald Trump would be as president. Uh, I'd be better than Donald Trump would yeah. be. This table would be better than Donald Trump would be. Yeah, that's pretty fair. Well, that's um, that's something that actually I wanted to bring up that was about Compton. So we can jump in and out wherever we want here. But it about about hip hop rap music, uh, you're saying it, it would bring up some some you know s- society issues or whatever. Um, is that a big difference between rap music now and then? Is it a lot more? bitches and bling now than when NWA came out and it was all like society here are the problems you know I I don't think so because you've got 
artists who are trying to do that now, who are doing that now, uh, Kendrick Lamar being possibly yeah. the, the highest profile example in the past while. And you also then, I mean, you know, you kind of briefly touched on Taylor Swift there, uh, Nicki Minaj and their spat a couple of weeks ago was when Nicki Minaj, who granted isn't exactly, you know, kind of hip hop royalty by any means, but she was trying to bring up very valid questions about racism in the industry and race in general. And you probably got shut down a little bit because she is more pop than what people would necessarily think of as hip hop. But, you know, these are valid issues. And I think, no, they're still quite alive in hip hop. In fact, if anything, it's kind of really having a resurgence right now. Mm. Um, Actually, I've got a theory that I know Dave's a wrestling fan. Are you by any chance? I haven't a clue. A closet WWE fan. I just came up on a podcast before. Because I was was (laughs) discussing this with somebody recently and I said that hip hop in general, we're painting in fairly broad strokes now, follows a model not all that unlike what professional wrestling has done, where they had that sort of big headline grabbing establishing thing you know with the Hulk Hogan and the cartoon characters and stuff like that in the way that you might have had with sort of NWA with the East West Coast battle stuff like that then Mm. you had the Attitude Era so to speak which was Guns Bitches and Bling right and it's now moved to this reality era where it's guys who are actually talking about substantial issues that seem to be getting the press more than the guys who are just you know Chris Allen Maybachs and what have you Dave I think that's probably the best way to put it, yeah. Um, as, a, as a Razzlin fan, I mean, it definitely, yeah, it's one of those things where it's gone through so many kind of cycles. And I think as well, you know, in wrestling as well, there's so many characters and some of them are more broadly written than others. Some of them just don't work. Some of them you look at and you cringe and some of them do work. Some of them connect very, very well and actually have kind of organic stories to tell and that's kind of why they take off. And I think someone like Kanye West actually manages to cover all those bases because <laughs> you can't look away from Kanye West. I mean, like, I don't think everything that he does is infallible. Not at all but I find him absolutely compelling and I think you know for example I mean like that speech that we mentioned there someone has done up a 30 second clip on the internet of that set to uh, the Seinfeld music and it's, it's like in his thing like they kind of cut it down like it's the opening thing where he's in front of the audience I still don't understand award shows this arena tomorrow it's going to be a completely different setup some concert something like that how could you explain that? It, it crosses my mind a little bit like when I go to a baseball game. After that night, the stage was gone. I don't understand it, bro! Which is absolutely hilarious. So, I mean, I think, you know, with Kanye West, there is always the opportunity to poke fun, and a lot of the times he brings it on himself. But there's also... Um, as kind of like Joshua Hughes, who writes for the site, has alluded to before, there's a way that people talk about Kanye West that kind of makes me feel deeply uncomfortable. And I think that it's, you know, we run into dangerous territory with Kanye West because he's so vociferous. And I would actually, I think Kanye West is the best example of someone who's like a wrestler because it's just complete geeked charisma. Like, mm. like and like, it's like, it has, it has all these places it has to go. And some of it will hit and some of it won't. I mean, I think, you know, use the example of Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar is a much more kind of pointed, the energy is focused on a very deliberate message. It's not really about getting himself over as a larger-than-life character. Um, He does have moments, particularly on that recent album, where it is very charismatic and it is very theatrical, but ultimately it's also very, very grounded. And I think that's why you see the reviews of that record are very much like, this is a very strong social message, this is a very, very strong social statement, and it absolutely is. But I think that Kanye's lyrics have the exact same thing going on. I think they often can. I don't disagree with that, absolutely. 
It's interesting, though, when you can talk about Kendrick and his sort of social message, because, and especially, you know, we kind of mentioned Compton there, and I guess one of the things that <clears throat> I'd not quite forgotten, but maybe wasn't as kind of vividly imagined in my mind was kind of the controversy surrounding Fuck the Police mm. and kind of getting arrested for performing it at a concert in Detroit and stuff like that. Mm. Now, it's only a couple of months since we saw kind of Fox News commentators who, yeah, granted, are not the greatest sort of like, you know, social observers you're ever going to find, <laughs> but they were tearing strips from Kendrick Lamar for his video for All Right and for some of the lyrics on To Pimp a Butterfly, which they were saying like, you know, kind of condone police harassment and all the rest of it and they're kind of like you know stoking the fires of a kind of a, a race war in the united states and it did have some very strange parallels i mean you look at straight out of compton and you know you look at that you look at like i say people kind of trying to bring race into a discussion you even look at tyler being banned from the uk last week mm. and it's it's eerie timing in many ways this story that for the most part is kind of based you know 20 plus years ago is uh, is actually still holding pretty strong. Yeah, I mean, just on the subject real quick about Tyler, the creator, being banned from the UK. In 2015, that that can happen, Yeah, I think that's very frightening. It and is. I think it's it's blatant racism. <laughs> like, I, how, I, is, how is it not? I mean, yeah, to be fair, I'm not sure if it's racism. Uh, that might point to an even greater problem as far as arts and censorship is concerned, but that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. The strangest thing for me is that the UK authorities seem to acknowledge that, uh, you know, he adopted an alter ego mm -hmm. to portray these characters and to talk about issues regarding, you know, homosexuality and race and what have you. And it's like, well, if he was adopting an alter ego, then how on earth could you hold it against him? And if that's the way we're going to go, then is every actor going to be banned yeah. from entering the UK because they've portrayed a character at one point or another. It was very strange. Well, that was your contention, Alan, before when we talked about Kanye West in the podcast a while ago. I think it was the Olaf Tyronson episode. You were saying that, in your belief, it's a persona, Kanye West. Yeah, that's he's, my theory, he's, yeah. he's really good at playing a character. Do you still yeah. stand by that? Yeah, kind of. Uh, doing a, Judging by the history of Kanye West, so my theory is that basically... He's, he starts with um, college dropout mm -hmm. and he's like this nerdy kid wearing, you know, woolly sweaters and things like this. And then his next album, he's like slightly still kind of nerdy, but less so. And then it's what's the third album? Eight Weights and Heartbreaks. Uh, but, but every time he's getting more and more, I think he's turning more into what we know now as Kanye. He's more outspoken. Uh, less nerdy is more like into the, you know his fashion things. Yeah, he's I mean, getting more I mean, and to, more materialistic. To be fair, and, I think that's going to happen to anybody who's kind of achieving that level of success and that level of media notoriety or whatever. I mean, we did briefly talk about Taylor Swift now. Bringing it back, bringing it back. <laughs> this is how you do an anchor callback. By the way, <laughs> talked about Taylor Swift, right? And uh, you know, Dave's rant the last time that she's like an automaton, that she's a robot of some sort, and. I feel as though Kanye is very close to the same thing. I mean, I honestly don't think that Kanye has ever made a facial expression that hasn't been sort of brainstormed <laughs> and weighed up for the pros and cons. Really? I really do. I think I think he is very deliberate in everything that he does. What about that thing he was doing in that speech where he kept putting his hands, over his arms over his head? Like that and leaving them there. I mean, what's the... Yeah, that was strange. I mean, <laughs> the exact physiological explanation yeah. <laughs> of that, I'm really not sure. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, like, I, like I, I know, I know he has to have gone up on that stage and 
been aware that he was coming across as, you know, sort of anxious and very idiosyncratic and all the rest of it. And again, I think I think it was deliberate. I mean, I'm not saying that it's necessarily, you know, kind of like malicious and, you know, he's kind of trying to pull the wool over her eyes or anything like that. But I do think it's thought out. Oh, of course it is. Like, I mean, like, the guy wouldn't be as big as he was if it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, like, I think the notion that Kanye West... Uh, actually, yeah, because, I mean, like, to be fair, like, one thing is people will always go, oh, he's an idiot. It's like, he's really not. Like, he's not an idiot at all. He's, no. def- he's definitely not an idiot, but do you not think that maybe... If it is a character, say, or persona that he's taught out, that he's kind of gotten a bit lost in that character. To a certain extent. I mean, in much the same way as, and again, I mean, I'm not quite as convinced by these arguments, but people will point to his wife. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of people who will try to say she's an idiot. And people will say, well, she's actually crafted an immense sort of media empire around what she's done. Now, like I say, I find the arguments that she's necessarily tremendously intelligent hold slightly less weight than those for Kanye. Yeah. But And also, I think she's probably one who's probably got carried away a little bit Absolutely, over but time. So I, I'm, I'm no way am I... It's their lovely def- couple. Yeah, no <laughs> way am I defending like, the fucking Kardashians or anything. But at the same time, my problem with that always lies with the people who are feeding into this. And the fact that like you know, if there are millions of people willing to watch that stupid show on a regular basis and they want to be Kim Kardashian, they want to be Kylie Jenner and whatever the rest of them then surely they're the bigger problem. I mean, like, there was that Shane O'Connor thing a while ago when she put up on her Facebook page called Kim Kardashian a cunt. And she said, you know, like, what, what is this cunt doing on the cover of Rolling Stone? What a fucking joke, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, surely Kim Kardashian's not the real problem here. The real problem is the society that feeds Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian is not a war criminal. And as for Rolling Stone, I mean, like, it's, you know, I don't know if Sinead's been reading it lately, but, I mean, they had the fucking Boston bomber on there a while ago. Surely that's more objectionable. But, I mean, that's beside the point. Again, you know, the Kanye West-Kim Kardashian thing... What if they are just two people who happen to love each other, you know, and have kids and have a good life together? But of course, they're absolutely A-list superstars for different reasons. And I can totally see why anybody would hate either of them. But at the same time, and I don't want to go with the, oh, turn it off and change the channel thing. But I mean, again, if you're going to feed that show, like that Kim, that Kardashian show, I mean, must be doing insane ratings because it's just always on. Mm. And I mean, there are people out there who want to be these people. So, you know. Which says something in itself, doesn't it? It does, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, one of the things as well, though, is that at least, and as you say, you know, change the channel. Um, you can move away from the Kardashians. Kanye has a habit of doing the things like... Infiltrating. Well, yeah, and yeah. for instance, kind of branding himself, you know, for instance, the greatest rock and roll star in the world or whatever, the exact quote that he used at Glastonbury, mm-hmm. which I guess, you know, basically goes straight into straight towards people and straight into the press and it doesn't matter if you're changing the channel he's given himself this title and people yeah. feel some need to, to, to go attack it or at least argue the point do you think he is the greatest rock star the biggest rock you star you know what this was the line that launched a thousand think pieces and th- okay again we're back to my girl I read that and, <laughs> and the reaction to Kanye declaring himself the greatest rock star in the world that was at Glastonbury that was at the very end of June and it was two days later that Taylor Swift played Three Arena. And you were there. In Dublin. I was there, right? And, but here's the thing, okay? And everyone was saying, well, Kanye could be the greatest rock star in the world. Because let's face it, like, what does that really mean? It kind of means going out on your own and doing something a bit different. And, you know, kind of like fighting the, the powers that be, etc., etc. It's kind of giving your fans something while not pandering to what you're being told to do or whatever. And... Yeah, Kanye absolutely does these things. 
But if you use those same criteria on the week where Taylor Swift basically, and whether it's a pub- we think it's a publicity stunt or not, could be a different podcast in itself, but like mm-hmm. she made Apple back down on the three-month trial period for Apple Music. And then she arrived at Three Arena with a sort of stage show which is only comparable from everyone that I've spoken to for arena shows in Dublin in the past sort of 10 years. It's only comparable to Kanye himself uh, on the uh, Jay-Z Watch the Throne tour. And if you apply those sort of criteria, could Taylor Swift be the biggest rock star on the planet? Biggest pop star on the planet, certainly. Um, Not to get into semantic argument or anything, but I mean, I think, yeah, you, you make some very good points. And I think that Obviously, Taylor Swift at that show had that video of all of her mates talking about how great she was. So there's an awful lot of self-love there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what it is about Taylor Swift that kind of turns me off. Whereas with Kanye West, I'm like, absolutely. It's kind of like the Conor McGregor thing. I can't stand Conor McGregor. I absolutely respect him, though. Of course, I think he'd be a fool not to. What's your stance on McGregor? Uh, You know what? I I like him. I do, too. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. he's fine for what it is. I mean, to be fair as well... And this is something that, you know, we had for, with women's boxing for ages. But, you know, like MMA, it's still a really, really niche sport. Yeah. yeah. And as a national thing, we probably pay more attention to it than any other country on the planet. Brazil aside, perhaps, I don't know. Mm. But, you know, let him doing what he's doing. If everyone follows that route, it's going to be absolutely woeful. Yeah. But, but I know, don't think everybody can. I think no, it's a very no, like and, person. And, and the other, yeah, the other thing as well is that... You saw a gap in the market there. Like, yeah, and I, I, I even I spoke to um, Andy Lee, the boxer, about this a couple of months ago. And I, I kind of said to him, you know, when you look at what Conor McGregor's done in terms of self-promotion, would you ever follow that model? And Andy Lee said, well, no, because like if Conor McGregor had become a plumber, he would walk into your house declaring himself the best plumber <laughs> in the world. Like, that's just the sort of guy he is. Yeah. And that's how he's going to carry it off. Yeah. Yeah. If Kanye West were a plumber, <laughs> he just wouldn't fix your drains, would he? Like, <laughs> Basically, yeah. I think if Kanye West were a plumber, he'd come in and like tell you there's a like tell you what to do with your central heating ducts or something, yeah. <laughs> and, and just ignore the plumbing and problem probably, completely. Like, you know, do something outside of your pipes. Do some interior design on the stairs, make them look a bit better. <laughs> um, I, I no, I think the points you make are very interesting. I, I think in particular they kind of a lot of kind of boxes gone off my head here about like The weekend at the moment which granted The weekend is not necessarily hip hop he's more mm. of an R&B singer yeah. but I think with Kanye with Taylor Swift and with The weekend, it's a case of these people trying to be all things to all people you were right. kind of saying about Taylor Swift at that gig where like you know it's like something for the fans but something to also be a massive spectacle but also to tick those kind of corporate boxes that's what The weekend is trying to do at the moment and he's endorsed by both Taylor Swift and Kanye West and that album which has just come out Beauty Behind the Madness is very interesting because it kind of distills his early kind of smoky gloomy depressing not depressing but like depressive I suppose kind of emotive lyrics and very moody kind of think pieces of, of his own with songs like Can't Feel My Face because he mm-hmm. wants to be the biggest pop star in the world. So I think that's interesting because that album is kind of a contradiction uh, in terms and it works. And I kind of think that we're moving into this kind of sphere now where our pop stars are, on the one hand, damaged, whether it comes whether that comes from their lyrics and their personas or whether it comes from the flaws in how they present themselves while also trying to be these radio-friendly kind of giant things, which is why I'm wondering, like with hip-hop, which has been having, I think, an incredible year, Maybe the best music that's been made this year in hip-hop has been actually shied away from all of this. Like, can you actually make great music and be the fucking, you know, headliner at WrestleMania, so to speak? Is that possible? I mean, to a certain extent it is, but it takes, I think, just an extraordinary amount of self-discipline, for one. Um, 
one of the better albums, or certainly one that caught my ear this year, was um, Earl Sweatshirts, mm. who, for me, has made just this bizarre thing. And, like, it's kind of what we talk about in music all the time with the sophomore slump and the second album syndrome. Mm. Because, basically, you'll write songs about growing up in a working-class area or something like that, and then you get shed loads of money and you go on a world tour, and all those life experiences that you used to write about are, don't apply anymore. Mm. And so you end up, especially in hip-hop, you often end up with a situation where either you're kind of calling back to your childhood all the time. Jay-Z is very good at that, mm. but he always does that, kind of mentions his upbringing and stuff like that, even when, you know, he's clearly, if not a billionaire, then damn close to one. Or you get the whole, you know, Chris Dahl, Maybach, Bitches and Bling. Earl Sweatshirt somehow has written an album about himself right now which is a very difficult thing to do, but it's talking about kind of dealing with fame. It's literally called, like, what? I don't like shit. I don't go outside. Uh-huh. It's that introspective and that closed in. But that's an incredibly hard thing to do. And as well, then you run the risk of, as you say, perhaps not being commercialist success because it's not that easy for people to relate and for people to pick up on something that's that personal. Do you think Watch the Throne was, was an album about them at that time? That album was kind of about them being loaded, right? Yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, this is the thing. Like, if you rap about yourself being loaded... It's not very relatable. Yeah, it's not very mm-hmm. relatable. It's incredibly self-indulgent. And the other thing as well... That's actually I, what I like about that album. Though. And I think that's why, let's face it, though, that we, you know, so quickly moved into issues of kind of racism and class war and so on and so forth, because hip-hop, by its very nature, has a power to do things like that that other music can't. It's very difficult to write a great rock album about race relations or Mm. very difficult to write a decent pop song about sort of social inequality. Mm. Whereas with hip-hop, it does sort of lend itself in that way. So I think sometimes people expect more from their hip-hop singers, so to speak. And, uh, And I think it's going to be interesting with The Weeknd, he mentioned there, who has a lot of street cred right now. Mm -hmm. And I can see a street cred going in inverse proportion to his popularity. This is the thing. I'm so really, he, really curious to see how people are going to react to this album after about a month or two. You know what? The crazy thing is, right, if you talk to some of uh, the English music scene, they will tell you guys like Ed Sheeran, guys like Sam Smith is a great example, where he's buddies with like Disclosure and Rudimental and all these sort of R&B mm. hip-hop guys in London. He launches off and becomes, you know, Sam Smith in capital letters and Shining Lights and World Tours. And, yeah, he's certainly not the guy who's getting that street cred anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, but that's the thing. I mean, like, at that point, does it matter? Do they care? The Weeknd has come out and said, specifically, I want to be the biggest pop artist in the world. Oh, that's it. He said that, did he? Yeah, in the New York Times, a really interesting piece that was in the New York Times. And he also, keep in mind, this is a guy who came from a project where no one knew who he was for a while. He eventually kind of... That was his thing. He wanted to be anonymous. He was completely anonymous. And it was very kind of moody, uh, introverted kind of music. Well, the songs were definitely there, though. I mean, he's got some incredible songs from his very first releases. But... With this new album, which I, I am a fan of, uh, the, uh, the review on the website at the moment by Josh is, gives it 8.5 out of 10. Josh is a fan, and he was kind of saying that like it's the most interesting thing about this album is actually what it will change, as opposed to the here and now. Because I think, I'm curious what someone who has only heard Can't Feel My Face will think when they pick up that record. Because it actually has another couple of tracks like that, 
but it also has songs like The Hills, which is him, you know, like it has all these songs where it's basically, you know, a depressed guy or a supposedly depressed guy fucking lots of women and getting fucked up. So again, how do you relate to that? But then again, is this a persona? Is The Weeknd a character? Is mm. Abel Tezve actually in a committed relationship with someone and just this is all bravado and it, and it's all about writing a character? Who knows? And I think, you know, with The Weeknd, it's absolutely, as Colm says, going to be fascinating to see how things change. But at the same time, I don't think he cares. Yeah, and, and it's not just because they're Canadian, but uh, I just can't help but think about Drake <laughs> and what's happened to him. Where, you know, like nobody right now will call Drake, you know, like the voice of disenfranchised youth or whatever <laughs> or whatever you want, you know, or even like the voice of a generation. Was but he ever though? No, but he... I don't know much about Drake, so... Um, he's not great. He's not great, but at the same time... That song, even like, you know, Please Hold On, We're, we're Going Home. I remember like Pitchfork, that was their number one song of that year. And I was like, this is shit. You got very big, didn't he? Massive, he got yeah. absolutely huge and is absolutely huge. Most played Spotify artist? Yeah, right? but he is also, by now, like, literally a punchline. Yeah. For someone who's, like, trying to put emotion into music or something like that. Um, you know, it, it, it's a punchline when he's front row at a basketball game rather than, you, you know, whoever you want, like a, a Nelly or, indeed, a Meek Mill. Um, Nelly. Yeah. I've yeah. heard that name in a while. It, it's been a little, we're going throwback here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but, like, you know, as opposed to someone with real street cred, if you've got Drake at the front row, no, that's that's not cool. So he's got... Uh, just to update me, I don't know the story of the Drake. Can you give him the, yeah, the so Cliff Notes version? Has no... The Cliff Notes are basically, yeah, that, like I said, could easily happen with The weekend. Drake's popularity... And therefore, kind of like, you know, media um, exposure and all the rest of it yeah. has gone up and up and up and up and up yeah. while his kind of cool factor or street cred or whatever you want to call it has gone down, 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 down. Right. And that's very often, I think, how it's going to be. But again, uh, if you're making headlines, making money, hand over fist, do they care? You know? That's a very cynical way of looking at the music industry, Dave. I won't stand for it. <laughs> okay, well, can I bring up Eminem at this point? I don't know if we're fans of Eminem or not, but he, obviously, someone like that kind of started with, he started basically in poverty, right? And was the biggest star on the planet a few years later. Um, and his music has changed quite a bit, I think, over the years. Um, are we fans of Eminem? Uh, fans of his ability, for sure. Technically, you might not find a better rapper in the world. I mean, like, his ability to do things. Yeah. Like, he, he's like a fucking machine gun. It's actually ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, fans of what he has to say, I wouldn't be. I grew up, you know, with those first two records. And I thought they were excellent at the time. Um, haven't listened in a long time. Uh, definitely very impressed by them when they were out. But he kind of transitioned into very jokey stuff. And I think his kind of supposedly funny tracks are shite. But to be fair, he kind of always had that. He, he, was, one had guy, he one. was one guy who played it really well, that he would have this just earworm of a yeah. jokey pop tune to release first from now. Yeah, so I mean, in go, fairness, like, I mean, my I know, name is... Or yeah, I know, I know my name is his breakout, but in fairness, it was kind of one of those things where like that... That to me became the thing, and I thought that they became less interesting. Like I was just kind of like, "This isn't great." Do you think that was just like announcing the album and then making people aware of it? But the real songs were things like uh, "Who I Am" and um, or what's the song? Is it called "Who I Am"? 
The way I am. The way I am. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, the way yeah. I am. But those more powerful songs are, are like the real songs. Like well, yeah, that's what singles are for. But I just felt that his singles, like when they, came, by the time the third album came out, and, he, and even then when he had songs down the road, like you know, like ass like that, I was like, this is just shit, man. I was like, this is just boring and juvenile and crap, and I have no interest in it. What album was that on then? Third or fourth. I mean, I kind of checked out by that point. I mean, like yeah. I thought the third album was really good as well. I just remember I was working in Extravision and it was on the TV screens, and I was like turning them off because I was like, "This is boring." But um, I think you kind of lost the anger a bit, like it well, definitely. Like yeah, on the yeah. first two albums, there's some yeah. there's some dark, dark stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. you know, I need plenty to be angry about. But yeah, yeah that's what I mean. Album, there was still plenty on that, wasn't there? There was. Um, it was it was uh, cleaning up my closet was on that and was like he always comes out with a bit of a gem. I mean, like that song he actually did for the Southpaw soundtrack recently, I thought was very good. It was called Phenomenal, and the reason I liked it so much was I like the production on it. It sounds raw as hell when you know. Obviously, mm. he can spend as much money as he wants. He's got a song called Spacebound on I think Recovery, which is um, him doing a pretty good rap, and then a guy comes in with an acoustic guitar. It's actually quite a lovely little thing. Um, yeah. But overall, he doesn't interest me. He has incredible ability, but he doesn't interest me. The thing, uh, first of all, one of the things about Eminem, which I guess we as, you know, four white middle class, <laughs> you know, whatever, late 20s, early 30s guys in Dublin no right to be talking about probably <laughs> aren't going to appreciate is, and not the novelty factor, that's not the right way of putting it, but just how mind-blowing it was that this guy was white mm. and was talking about these things in what was a completely uh, African-American dominated market. So... That was definitely um, part of... Do not forget about Vanilla Ice. Yeah, you see, but that's the thing, exactly. White <laughs> yeah. rap was a punchline up yeah, until that point. Yeah. And suddenly Eminem came along and... Fred Durst, anybody? <laughs> Again. <laughs> think, th- things blew up for him. The yeah. other thing, though, is, is that rap. And it's one of the reasons why I think we were all a bit nervous uh, before Dre's Compton came out and why we were all really, 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 really happy once we'd listened to it yeah. is because rap is so built on currency on being new and fresh and stuff like that because it's it's not like a rock band who go away for three years and work on a track you might save up your beats fine but lyrically and stuff you a lot of them are just going into the room freestyling pretty much mm. you can lay down multiple tracks in a day and so it always needs to have that freshness it always needs to or a lot of the time it'll need to kind of address things that are going on at the time and I'm not sure if Eminem retained that ability through his career. And I think that's part of what yeah. kind of took him down, or at least saw his popularity drop somewhat. Yeah, he started rapping, I suppose he got heavily into the drugs. Then he started rapping about his relapse and his recovery. So he's trying to find, I suppose, subjects. Whereas when he was younger, it was poverty and his mother. Yeah, to an extent. Mm. As well, as well. to be honest, I think that, you know, leaving rap and technical ability and even the music out of it completely, he got completely overexposed. Oh, yeah, massively. And, yeah. you know, it, it's going to happen with no matter what genre you're going for. If you have that level of exposure and that level of familiarity, especially if you're writing from a personal level and people actually know the stories already before you get around to telling them, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you think that's uh, another string to Jay Z's bow? Because he's remained fairly rev- relevant over a long. Yeah, I mean, it's funny when Dave mentioned kind of technical ability for Eminem. You know, he's like a machine gun. Yeah, and you know, I grew up, I guess, listening to guys like you know Tupac and Biggie, where like you know they're spitting the words out. And I remember listening to Jay Z for the first time and just hearing what you can only describe as flow. Yeah, and. I like I love Jay-Z I love him technically yeah. um, but he also I guess he, you know he he recognizes 
that you need to step back sometimes. You can go long periods without bringing things out. Um, and he also, I think, really uh, understands the importance of production, yeah. which more and more guys, for me, seem to discard or seem to go in with really headstrong ideas, headstrong uh, um, <laughs> ideas of what they're going to sort of do. Uh, and what would they you want. would you agree that without Kanye West, there's no post two thousand Jay Z? I disagree. Mm, I, you see, I'm not sure. Now, I, well, I mean, okay. For instance, I mean, it was Rick Rubin who uh, did Ninety Nine Problems, which was you say that, one but, uh, of the <laughs> massive kind of hits and kind of turning points for Jay Z. Uh, when you kind that of was go, obviously post two thousand. Yeah. Well, obviously, you've lodged it. Yeah, the blueprint um, three was amazing. Or, or was you saying that that's very heavily Kanye influenced? Well, Kanye basically like came up with like a lot of his beats and yeah. effectively kind of you know, I, I would argue like was a major factor in his kind of resurgence. Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt that he played a part. Like, I mean, and yeah, it probably wouldn't have blown up to quite the same extent. I mean, at the same time, I mean, like he was working with Timbaland around that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I say, I mean, you know, giving a guy like Rick Rubin a call who at that point had you know moved to rock as much as hip hop. Um, that was a great move. And, you know, Jay-Z, the whole, I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman. Uh, it's an know, incredible you know, line. Yeah. It it's is so an amazing good. line, and yeah. it is, it, it's also extremely accurate. I think there's a reason why, when we were just talking about sort of, you know, resurgences and being able to step back and make good albums later in your career, we're talking about guys like Dre, like Jay-Z, guys who've legitimately built empires away mm-hmm. from their music because I yeah. think they understand that there's a little bit more to this yeah. than than beats and rhymes basically it's amazing when you're thinking about like who's coming up with the beats and the producers behind these great rap albums and how much importance Dr. Dre has if you think about all the people he's produced all the people he gave like a first go to if you're talking about obviously NWA himself he was the producer behind all of that and then well, he had like Snoop and Tupac and uh, Eminem, Fifty Cent, and even Kendrick Lamar nowadays. So it was one of the interesting things listening to Compton as well. Kendrick in, fucking destroys on that record. But man. it's whether or not in five years or ten years' time we're going to be looking through some of the other names on that track listing, just going shit. Do you remember this was the first track well, we like, I mean, heard? One shot, one kill. I think is the best track on that record, and I had never heard of. Like the main feature. I mean, I know. Yes. Who is it? Um, I actually don't know his name uh, <laughs> because <laughs> can't really get that for us there. Uh, we'll find it now, and I'll, I'll, I'll sound less flustered. Yeah, but that song is fucking unreal. Just have uh, a full run at the sentence again. Yeah, yeah. This. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was. <laughs> but how many people? How many people he found, and how much of of the rap world is is kind of resting on his shoulders? This in that is why way. it's no fluke that people talk about scenes in rap mm. probably more than just about anywhere else is that, you know, the East Coast, West Coast thing, the LA, New York thing, like, that was real. Because if you were an MC, but you need someone else to do your beats, you need someone else to do the production, someone else to do the mixing and mastering, blah, blah, and you're not talking about guys who are signed, you're talking about doing mixtapes, it is literally your social circle. So that's why all these, you know, when you talk about New York rap, it really was just, and literally a couple of streets, a couple of blocks of guys who were living together. Same with Atlanta, same with LA, the uh, reason I was smiling there was when you mentioned East Coast, East Coast, West Coast with such kind of, you know, fluidity. <laughs> I thought you were going to do a Garth Crooks when he was on Richard Littlejohn that time. Have you ever seen that clip? 
don't think so. Uh, hopefully we can splice that clip in, or we can just cut this entire <laughs> section out. You see, you know, you've got the West Coast niggas and the East Coast niggas. Now, I have to tell you, if you come from Connecticut and you're white, and you try that that nonsense, they'll kill you. Because it's fucking hilarious, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's very funny. What's the name of that rapper? Uh, John Connor. John Connor. John Connor from Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. Forget that. <laughs> <laughs> Feel terrible. And he's 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 good on that song. Yeah, very. Yeah. What's it? Um, one, one, one shot, one, one kill. Shot, one um, kill. Um, one which kill. you know you have to sign up to Apple Music to hear because yeah. uh, I've listened to the album a couple of times, but I'm, I'm really bad at remembering the names of songs. There's one terrible song on it. The uh, the one which is basically trying to like almost kind of do a version of Eminem's Kim. But listen, I don't think I've ever heard a perfect rap album. Of course not. Oh, yeah, but there's, there's one song. There's hits. one song which really goes back to the well of like you know, yeah, know two guys having an argument about mm-hmm. you know murdering one of their girlfriends and then does it and then like disposes of the body. I know they're going for like fucking pitch dark humor, but there's was, a song very similar on 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 Dre 2001. On 2001. Sure, yeah. Guilty conscience. Well, no, that was Eminem. That was on. Wasn't it? That was an Eminem song. I think but on 2001, there was very song. I think, yeah, I think it was on featuring Eminem. Yeah, I think that was on 2001, wasn't it? I believe no, so. No, no, it wasn't. No. Look that no, up. Definitely not. <laughs> we're Def- all. It was on the first Eminem. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Connor surfs the internet <laughs> with, uh, with instructions courtesy of Alan Dave and Cole. Uh, it was on the Slim Shady LP. What am I looking for? Uh, uh, guilty conscience. You don't need to. You don't need to. It was on an Eminem. No, 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 no. no. Uh, we have the song to... on the Dr. Dre album I'm talking about I think is called The Messenger and it's very similar in that it's th- there's a conversation like that and then there's like a car bomb or something in it and, and then, the, and then the well, I'm, Guilty I'm... Conscience featuring Dr. Dre Eminem album The Slim Shady yeah. God, like, mm. no worries I got, damn I got it, it. <laughs> Dave fair enough yeah. I doffed my cap yes thank I'm, you uh, I'm having a nightmare here guys uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay um, so just to uh, you mentioned there a few minutes ago about the Eminem and it how striking it was that he was a white rapper at the time and how amazing that was. Um, it, do you think that people followed that or do you think that was going to happen? I'm thinking of people like Sage Francis, B. Dolan. Um, there's a lot of kind of, I don't know if they're they're high profile, but they're very high quality white rappers. Sure, now. absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah and, it, and it does exist. Um, like I say, I think, and you know, it, it, its greatest strength can also be the greatest weakness that because it has a scope to address an awful lot of social issues and stuff like that that other genres can't, I think there's maybe an expectation or a pressure to do that, which is why, you know, and as I said, you know, as kind of like white middle-class 30-year-olds, it's going to jar some people if I or we bring out a rap record. Now, that's not merely because we can't rap, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because, you know, there is a certain expectation from the genre. So, and yeah, I mean, like, there are good guys mm. that, that have followed and that have come out. I guess as well, the fact that, like, they just haven't captured the imagination in quite the same way. Well, you say that, but I've got three words for you. The original Rude Boys. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you know what? Like, the same thing happened in Ireland to a certain extent, where... Messiah J and the expert? Yeah, but it's only now you see that I think you've got guys like, say, you know, Lethal Dialect or something mm. like that, yeah. who are rapping in their own accents, which mm. is very important, who are rapping about their own areas. I mean, you know, there, there's no pulling the wool over people's eyes. You can't pretend that Crumlin or Ballymun is, you know, Compton or Lincoln Park or something like that. It's not. But... They've finally, I guess, found a voice within Irish hip hop hmm. to that people can relate to again. And uh, yeah, I, I, like, I think things are improving in that regard yeah, here, big definitely. time. Do you feel like it's um, it's 
rap music has is an American voice thing, or uh, you're talking about Irish voice thing. So I'm, t- I'm thinking UK hip hop. What do you think? Scribius Pip is one of my favourite artists. Right. Yeah. Well, there's I mean, other people like Dizzy Rascal as well. So uh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, yeah, it definitely has its own sound in the UK and and a number of different sounds, in fact. Mm. Um, I like Dizzy. I think he's good. Um, Scroobius Pip was a little bit different where he was kind of like a spoken word artist thrown in with a a producer. And the results were really interesting, but I think they were kind of so interesting, it's hard to use that as a sort of an indication of of a scene, so to speak. But um, yeah, I I think it's just, look, it takes time for everywhere to, to find its feet. And to well, kind of someone filter like, someone like Young Fathers, like mm. it's kind yeah, of experimental like, hip hop, do really interesting yeah. stuff. They're yeah. great. They're great. Yeah. They're and really I, great. yeah, I saw caught them at Longitude there a couple of weeks ago, and it was bone shaking sound system. And yeah, with a performance to match, it was it was awesome. And um, actually, just to go back real quick on something that was mentioned earlier on, just for a sec, because I remember. Uh, Chuck D has taken issue before with some of Jay Z and Kanye's work. He's kind of he's made the point that kind of what we were saying earlier on. Hey, can you relate to this? He was saying that you know the whole fucking jets and Cristal and renting out nightclubs and all that kind of stuff. He's kind of like this is not what it should be about uh, for young kids growing up. You know, like it should be about real issues and all that kind of stuff. So, and I put that actually kind of idea to Young Guru, who is Jay Z's right hand man, and kind of you know without. Young Guru Jay Z will probably in a bit of difficulty mm-hmm. if he is going to interview him. He was very, very kind of, you know, uh, adult and magnanimous about the whole thing. And he basically was saying, I would challenge uh, Chuck D to listen to any of Jay Z's songs, particularly, you know, such and such. And, you know, he will find that message. You will find what you're talking about in those songs. Is Chuck, is, is he right? Is Chuck D wrong? I mean, like, is, is it just a case of the more bravado you have, the less, again, as you were saying before, street cred you might have? I don't think so. I mean, to be fair, if, it, if, it, if it's completely put on, then, yeah, people just aren't going to buy it. Um, I think Jay-Z, let's face it, at this stage as well, had the story behind him. Like, we knew where he came from. We knew, you know, his situation growing up uh, in his early teens and and late teens, for that matter. We knew all of this stuff, so I don't think people were going to instantly write him off as being some sort of, you know, as you say, just kind of braggadocious show-off when he was kind of doing the whole, you know, girls, girls, girls thing or something like that. But look, I mean, you're going to get that with every artist. You know, you have, I don't know, Sleaford Mods picking on, you know, saying like there's no working class voice in in English rock anymore. You have um, some old school US country attacking this sort of like bro country movement saying, you know, like they've lost the values of original country music. You're going to get that, and especially as generations change. But please tell us about please tell us about bro country. Bro Country. Are you familiar with Bro Country? No. No, so Bro Country is basically this movement that's occurred over the past couple Cullum of years. Colin loves country music, by the way. I do not love country music. There was a brief weekend-long uh, strange occurrence, um, which I might as well tell. Basically, I was sitting in the Hot Press office, and I was offered an interview with Luke Bryan, and I quickly found out that nobody inside or outside the Hot Press office that day knew who Luke Bryan was. <laughs> um from time that I've spent in America, I know he's a superstar. He's huge. Like, he was the one who held Dre off the number one spot when they released Compton there a couple of weeks uh-huh. ago. Uh, like, the album before that sold, like, over half a million copies in its first week. I think it was only, like, Justin Timberlake <laughs> and uh, Drake who sold more than him that year. The guy's colossal. And he's leader, basically, of this kind of bro-country movement where, essentially... um college kids in America and particularly white middle class kids in America want something to dance to want something 
vaguely ironic to enjoy. And so they're getting this sort of rock, hip-hop tinged country music from guys like Luke Bryan, like Florida Georgia Line and Luke Aldean. And- that band. And by the way, so what you're saying here is Luke Bryan is the, uh, is, is the natural successor to Uncle Cracker. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of an Uncle Cracker uh, comparison before. Follow me. He's not quite that bad. But um, but yeah, it, it's rubbed some, especially the old school, it's rubbed up the wrong way. And yeah, like I say, I think that's just going to happen wherever you go. And you thought hip hop was the only melting pot out there with infighting. <laughs> Guys, country's where it's at. Um, I guess kind of to kind of wrap things up, I suppose, uh, straight out of Compton, accurate, fair, or a complete tribute i've heard terms i've heard terms I mean, like whitewashing being thrown around yeah it has been a little bit whitewashed i feel um certainly there was going to mention of you know dr dre's um behavior towards women which he's uh, since apologized for he did apologize for it under some duress i yeah. get the feeling <laughs> but um you know what at the same time I, you'd have to point a couple of things out number one i had somebody suggest to me that it was too long it's two and a half hours long um but it's a story spanning eight years. I thought it could have been more. I, uh, yeah. I, I, I couldn't, I like, yeah. you know, when it was coming up to the end of the movie and I was just checking, I was like, there's only 20 minutes left. Yeah. You know? That's exactly it. Now we'll have to edit that bit out because you clearly weren't watching it at a licensed cinema. But, <laughs> no, at the bottom of the screen it said... <laughs> but, but, so like, but like we're dealing with, yeah, a story that took like eight years and there's kind of three separate stands. As you say, yeah, it could have gone on longer. There's a lot to tell. So I don't think you can necessarily kind of go nitpicking through the career going, well, why didn't they cover that? Why didn't they cover that? Etc. Um, it is slightly whitewashed. It definitely paints uh, Jerry Heller, their, their manager, as sort of the bad guy, as it were, um, when you know, some sources would kind of suggest that Easy e was just as complicit in those business decisions that were apparently kind of being done uh, behind his back. But it's a very good film. The performances are excellent. Yeah. The, the only weakness that I could point towards uh, in terms of the three lead actors is the fact that, and let's face it, what can he do here? But like Dre does not age <laughs> across eight or nine years. Yeah. He just looks the exact same. Like Ice Cube gets the facial hair going. He looks going. great, doesn't he? Somehow and he looks Exactly. Older, once like, he gets the facial hair, he, yeah, he just yeah. nails it. And Easy E, similarly, yeah. Dre is just... There was one scene yeah. where I thought Dre looked older. You know um, where they're in the uh, death row offices and it's showing the excess and everybody's going mad and there's, oh, yeah. you know... For some reason, I thought he looked like Dr. Dre there. He looked older and he looked like he looks... I thought it was just before when Tupac's in the booth. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. thought he looked... And he's wearing the leather jacket, he looks big. Yeah. But then after that, he looks young again. <laughs> so yeah. It uh, also has... And it's an oft-attempted uh, trick, but it has probably the best Snoop Dogg voice I've ever yeah, heard from anyone who's really not funny. Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Yeah. Worth the admission price for that alone. Yeah. But it, it's, a, it's a good movie. It's a really yeah, good I movie. It. And yeah, you know, music biopics are generally... Uh, kind of troublesome at times. Yeah, they all have the exact same but, plot, don't they? <laughs> Somebody's struggling, they get really big, somebody tells them not to do drugs, they do drugs, they fall <laughs> off the wagon and then they get to, they find their way back. <laughs> to a certain extent, <laughs> yeah. Spoilers for every music uh, every film, music film <laughs> ever. Right yeah, and, and I think, you know what, I think as well, there's going to be a, a bunch of people going to these, uh, going to this film that, you know, frankly wouldn't have even been listening to 2001. Never mind The Chronic, never yeah. mind uh, fuck the police and straight, straight out of Compton, Compton. Yeah. and are indeed like the other music that was spawned at the time the stuff that they were taking it from the soundtrack is killer yeah. as you would imagine yeah. Um, so yeah I 
I would I would recommend that people go see it. it it's worth it. Even yeah. if you're not a massive hip-hop fan, I think. Yeah, it's a good movie. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. And, 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 and like I say, you know, part of that is because there is a social story to it. Yeah. And yeah. as I say, like, uncanny timing, there's, there's a scene in it where the band are standing on a street corner and get beaten up by, you know, majority white police force. Um, for standing on a street corner they look and like for gang members. yeah, and suspicion mm. of that, and obviously this is sort of you know whatever like twenty five years removed from Ferguson yeah. or from Baltimore yeah. um, or Charleston or any of the kind of racial tension that you've seen in the states now. It you know obviously it's not fortuitous. It might not be the right word to use, but uh, it certainly gives it a, an added sort of factor when you can actually relate to it that well and, yeah. and, and see just where this music was coming from. And actually showed that LA beating on screen that was videotaped yeah. before and, and that's very Yeah, striking. Rodney King yeah. plays a, a kind of a central part yeah. in it. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, like I say, and, and, and I guess that's why hip-hop, unlike a lot of other uh, genres of music, you can have a talk about, you know, hip-hop culture and the growth of hip-hop and you can jump sort of 20 years this way and that in a way that you probably can't do with, you know, just like guys playing guitars and stuff like that. Because there is a lot of sort of like, you know, social background and all that. And the movie does a good job of bringing that all into focus yeah, as well. So I think so. Uh, and just one, on the whitewashing of Dr. Dre's mishaps, let's call them. <laughs> um, in turn, yeah. while you're watching them. Yeah, yeah, basically. I it feel was, like it was, it, but it's a, it's a movie and he's the hero. You have to, he has to be likable. And if you have him like going through, I mean, at the end of the day, it is a movie. True, but it's a movie based on a true story. So, I mean, yeah, you know, but the producers a, of the film though, so of course, you know, he, I'm sure that it would have been brought up to him. It already <laughs> had, very it already had villains though. It already had villains. And for it to work in that kind of way, you can't dislike everybody. This is true, but I mean, like I say, you know, ju- like just who the villains were in real life is very different. I mean, if you, yeah, if you want to look at it as oh, I know just, real life, yeah, yeah, and if you want to look at it as just a movie, that's what then I mean. Yeah, it, it plays out that way. But yeah. I suppose if you want a, a, an absolute uh, kind of factual representation of exactly how those eight yeah, years you're went not getting down, that out of Hollywood, though. True. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay, well, to, to, I've got two more Kanye-related questions for you, lads. Um, we've got... Uh, How uh, and why? Yeah. <laughs> Just to wrap this up, um, we've, got a, we've got an article coming out soon about... What is it, uh, Kanye West tracks? Don't look at me, mate. Yeah, uh, you tell I'm me. the music editor. What is it? Uh, yes, we have a listening guide. And again, this is where the sting music can come yes. back in. <laughs> different music. Uh, we have 20, 20 Kanye songs uh, as conducted kind of scientifically myself. Uh, the aforementioned Joshua Hughes, who is our Toronto-based hip-hop correspondent. He uh, swings down to Compton to do... Yeah, he reviews. does whatever we want him to do, man. <laughs> we send him all over the place. Is he uh, taking the head stuff private jet down there? Is he? he is, yeah. Oh, yeah That's yeah. where it is. Nice. Yeah. 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 I was wondering where that was. Never seen yeah, that again. <laughs> so myself, uh, Joshua Hughes, uh, Craig Fitzpatrick, also of Hot Press Magazine, and Stephen Gannon, uh, who is a drummer and sneaker enthusiast and has written for the site before and plays in a band from Dublin, which I'm not going to reveal because uh, he's very anonymous. No, he's not. Um, the four of us got YouTube. together. He didn't play for you. Face with the original Rude Boys. Name the name <laughs> and I'll bleep it out. Uh, I'll, I'll he plays for... Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, um, please bleep that out. <laughs> what was that name again? What was, the, what was the full name again? 
pleased to actually bleep all of this. <laughs> fucking hilarious. You're going to be bleeping all of Okay, time. so that piece. Uh, basically, it's the top 20 Kanye West songs as voted for by us. Right. And the way we did this was actually, we didn't just go, it's this one. We We did a point system where, you know, I asked for their top 20 songs. I gave mine. Number one would get 20 points. Number 20 would get one point. Yeah. And we added it up. Maths. F- Use maths. Maths. It was, yeah. it was maths. I'm sure right. Kanye would approve. <laughs> um, the, I won't say what the first track is or what number one is, but number one got like something like 74 out of 100. So yeah, it's it, a pretty it good. A, a pretty good consensus. And I have to say, I'm very, very happy with the 20 tracks. Right. I think there's lots in there. There's like, you know, kind of quick fire single good ones and then there's kind of like deeper cuts as well Great. so each of those tracks will have a blurb uh, from the four of us and that will be up um, in the coming days cool uh, well, we up now when you listen to this hopefully <laughs> um, related so, yeah. to that article my question for you two lads is can you rate his albums from worst to best now I've, he has five albums so I'm not including Watch the Throne I'm talking solo can you, as solo as albums and rap, and rap are um, so he's got College Dropout, Late Registration, 808s and Heartbreaks, Dark Twisted Fantasy, and Yeezus, right? There's, did you say Graduation? Uh, I'm, I'm lost. Um, I'm never good at when someone just goes, these albums, uh, we, yeah, we, we, we'd have them They, they, they came quite rapid fire there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I suppose, basically, I can certainly give you the top and the bottom of the list. What's his, okay, what's his top three? Personally, I mean, I've always rated High School Dropout as being college, college dropout, dropout or college dropout high even, school sorry. dropout the man finished college school. dropout <laughs> as being one of the best albums of the past 20 years just full stop um, and I agree that he's probably made deeper stuff since but just again it, it, and it's one of those things maybe it's because you know I hadn't heard this guy before I got the album put it on and I was just like holy shit mm-hmm. this is special Um and then, yeah, at the other end of it, then I would go 808 and Heartbreak. I, he, he lost me a little bit at that point. Yeah, I can see why that was. It was, it was a slightly indulgent album for my for That my was taste. definitely trying and, something new. Yeah, and I guess as well, it, it kind of came at a point where I was just like, you know, and thankfully, you know, he's proven it since. I was like, you've so much more to say. There's so much more that you could be doing instead of this record. That kind of disappointed me. So, yeah. That's my best and my worst. Yeah, I go Jesus as my best because uh, it was the album that kind of finally got me to really pay attention to him properly. Um, I thought it unlike uh, my beautiful tart Twisted Fantasy, which I think is a very good album. I also think it's wildly overrated. Jesus uh, wasn't bloated in any way. Um, it actually it's so close to being a perfect album. If you lose like Send It Up and Guilt Trip, and maybe there was a couple, even one better track than those ones, then it's like fucking five stars. I mean, I'm in it has problems because it's ridiculously juvenile, but it's also so well put together, and it's just so fun to listen to in terms of its production and like the little kind of even like you know the usage of Justin Vernon on there. Uh, Black Skinhead is just is still for me the greatest song in the last two years I think it's just so confident it comes racing out the blocks the sum- and, and you manage to also get like a track like Blood on the Leaves in there at the end which is just fucking it's really really powerful and very mm. interesting um, I wouldn't I mean worst album I mean I wouldn't say My Beautiful Dark, Dark Twisted Fantasy because there's so much good stuff on there so much great stuff on there but I do have the most problems with that one because I think it's the most kind of all over the place one I think it's kind of the sound of pure indulgence which of course is Kanye West when he opens his mouth but uh, at the same time I wouldn't again. I wouldn't like say worst, but definitely my least favorite. Even mm. though there's like, two or three tracks on there that I think are essential. Interesting that we're going to disagree on that because I think that's my are. favorite. <laughs> yeah, we always disagree. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, where do where do you think the Kanye West story ends? How does it? 
How's with, it playing uh, from here? With a dodgy new album, probably. Do you think? Um, yeah, I'm worried Are you about worried about that? About that to Colin? be fair, I think that Kanye is the sort of guy who, yeah, like he is always one step away from a dodgy album and he's probably also one step away from the work of absolute genius yeah. you know the perfect album that he say came close to with Jesus in, in, in Dave's book um, I think you know what he's going to keep on doing his thing and if nothing else that is fantastic for us because it means that and that's not just with my journalist's hat on um, it means that you know he's probably just going to keep making music no matter what people say about him he's going to keep doing it I don't think it's going to end uh, in the, uh, the in the White House <laughs> in, the, in, in the Kanye West wing if hey. you will hey. but um, yeah look if he keeps making music I'm going to keep listening and yeah I guess everyone's, everyone's a winner them. in I'll that I'll keep reading them uh, yeah I think I, I'm worried about the next album a friend of mine has a theory that because he's happy now he's going to do with John Lennon and just make shit music for a while uh, in the, you know, the when John Lennon got happy he was all saccharine and true though but Kanye could start a fight in a phone box that's <laughs> true I'd actually love to see that he's got plenty to talk about yeah um, well hopefully but uh, yeah I'm worried about that record but I I, I, I hope it'll be good alright well, we leave it there. So, thanks, Colm and Dave, for coming onto the podcast. Thank you, sir. Cheers. That was the Headstuff podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Um, so, that was our first in-house uh, podcast, um, and we decided we wanted to pick a subject and just talk about it. Uh, so, thanks to Colm O'Regan and Dave Henrati for joining me in a, in that conversation, and uh, to Connor Wilkins as always. Um, as as the conversation, but also for doing the sound um, from Wilkins Sound Systems. It was a different type of episode, so let us know uh, what you thought, if you liked it, and um, it would be great if you could uh, rate us on iTunes and subscribe if you haven't already, and leave us a comment if you've got something nice to say. Uh, you can do the same on SoundCloud, and you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Um, also, if you want to support uh, the Headstuff podcast, you can do so on Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Headstuff. And you can pledge uh, an amount of money and you get different rewards uh, the more you pledge. Um, but all is great and accepted. Uh, <laughs> so thanks to this for listening to this episode. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Goodbye.